I'm down for so many more knives out. I, I would love if if uh, Daniel Craig came out tomorrow and said like Keanu Reeves with John Wick. As long as they want to make sequels, I'm good with it. If if he says that about Knives Out, I will keep paying as much as I need to to go see these movies because it's it's truly just a must see for me now. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, everybody, to the Thundercast. My name is Lucas. My name's Christian. My name is John. Uh, and I'm Liam, here of another podcast that just talks about movies. And today, we have not one, but two guests on our show. <laughs> two. We've got returning guest, John Tasca, friend of a show, and new friend of a show, my good friend Chris Oldale. That's Hello. right. I am other Christian. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, and today you you are going to witness a bloody murder as the Christians fight for supremacy. <laughs> I told that joke too many times when we saw the, the movie that we're going to talk about. So I think I think that joke died enough for sacrificed itself so that we could both live. Um, I hope not because I haven't stretched for this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's right. So John, John was on our last episode of the show, which you probably would have seen last week, uh, last Friday. So uh, thank you, John, for joining us for that episode, uh, episode seventy of the Thundercast, in which we uh, just did a, another roundtable thing. Which I don't even, I don't even know how to explain the fucking show anymore because like <laughs> it's so, it's not even that different. Anyway, we, yeah, if you watch the show, you know the show. But today we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're not going to be doing. Kinda... Go ahead. This will be kind of like uh, a return to form of what we've done in the past. Yeah. But uh, let's just say it's going to be similar to another video that we did where we talked about uh, Verizon Skywalker. Well, I have a feeling yeah. this one will be a lot more positive than that experience we had. <laughs> probably. And probably also won't be a two-hour long episode of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, notorious for being our most watched and listened to episode of our oh. show is this is the Rise of Skywalker episode, which is, <laughs> is, is so funny to me. Um, I think we were just so topical because we did it a moment we saw the movie. So mm-hmm. you know, we, we got on it. We were on that cultural pulse. But we kind of are now because... In a way, this this movie. If you're watching this today, uh, which is uh, what what day of the week is that? Uh, well, it's Friday. Uh, so if you're watching Monday. this on December 9th, uh, it's the movie that we're going to talk about, which is Gla- Glass Onion: A Knives Out Mystery. If that wasn't fucking obvious already, uh, <clears throat> we so it's out of theaters and it will be in on Netflix uh, within the next two weeks here. Uh, so we are kind of in this nice little sweet spot where people are probably didn't get to go see it in the theater. And they're like, what do five idiots got to say about this movie? Yeah, we, um, <laughs> we all uh, got together and uh, we're like, fuck, we're like, fuck Netflix. We're going to go see this in a theater now that we once we have the chance to do this. So a bunch of us all got together and we were like, well, it might be fun to talk about this. Just all of us. Yeah. So welcome to Glass Onion. Uh, knives out mystery so like liam said we did have the opportunity to go see it we saw it the night that it uh opened in in canada at least and so that was really nice uh there was seven of us total i believe that went to go see this film so um we were a, a happy bunch by the end of it to say the least but uh let's see uh lucas or liam one of you two want to summarize the movie without spoiling anything i should also say we are going hmm. to spoil the movie as we talk about this so are we, are we gonna it. are we gonna jump into spoilers right away or are we gonna save that for like the second half we'll save that for the second half the first half okay, we cool. won't do spoilers uh at least to the best of our ability but we will be doing spoilers uh and we'll make sure you know ahead of time 
uh, to skip that part of the episode. But uh, yeah, so knives out. Uh, sorry, glass onion, knives out mystery. Glass onion. That's right. We we went we went and saw the preeminent detective Benoit Blanc participate in yet another mystery. Uh, in this one, uh, a uh, I don't know how to describe the movie. It's a little little all over the place, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So it is a sequel. Um... In the midst of a pandemic, <laughs> a eccentric billionaire invites all of his friends and Benoit Blanc to a to a private murder mystery party on an island, and shenanigans ensue. Let's say. That's that's a great there we summarization. Go. And now I'm stuck in this accent. I, I cannot get out. <laughs> and much like the first Knives Out, uh, you get into a, a really uh, twisty and turny, uh, mass subversion of expectations of a movie. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, um, as, as Ryan Johnson is wont to do. Speaking of which, yeah, so Ryan Johnson did come back direct the sequel for Knives Out, uh, which originally was meant for Netflix. Got a limited wide release just to, I, I assume just to kind of get that sort of uh kick in the butt get people moving just just enough to qualify for the oscars just enough <laughs> that, I, honestly i wouldn't be surprised if uh when ryan john or when netflix optioned uh more knives out movies uh because the first one i believe was produced by Lionsgate. yeah it was um yeah no uh I have a feeling that when uh, the agreement happened, there was some kind of clause in there saying it has to show in theaters for a little bit. Yeah, probably. Which is also part of why um, I was real. I was really adamant on seeing this one in a theater because I feel like it sends a message that it shows that we would like to see more move just movies, even if they're made for streaming in a cinema. Because and... I was, uh, Chris and I were talking about this when we were uh, driving back about how. There's been this weird attitude lately of, like, uh, you only really go to see movies in the theater for a big CGI spectacle. I don't really think that's the way it should be. This theater was also, like, quite full. I was pleasantly mm -hmm. surprised about and the it was amount a, of people. It was a fantastic crowd, too. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was yeah. having a riot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah. And I went and saw it two days later on Saturday um, at, like, a 1 o'clock showing, and it was just the same, completely full really active theater participants so i i'm that's awesome i'm happy to see that with a movie that was you know bought by netflix but given this granted this one week of theatrical release it's, it's really awesome to see yeah I and agree. before before we get much further into talking about glass onion uh i think we should all like uh give some context as to like our opinions and experiences with the first knives out just to lay some groundwork uh i think Liam and Christian saw it before I did and recommended it to me. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I went and saw it. That's why I, I don't think I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it. Uh, I think I rented it. I don't remember if I. No, I know I saw it in theaters. Yeah. I did see it in theaters. Uh, and just instantaneously fell in love with it. Like I was mm -hmm. like, I, I, I was a fan of Ryan John. I wasn't like the biggest fan of Ryan Johnson, to be honest. I, I, I really liked The Last Jedi, but like I, I enjoyed Looper fine. And then I, I don't remember Brick like at all. Uh, and I was like, okay, like he makes some interesting movies, but I don't know if he's really my thing because maybe I just like Last Jedi because it's Star Wars. And then I saw Knives Out. I'm like, this man can have all my money. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, Daniel Daniel Craig as like a Southern detective with a French name is so fucking weird, and I love it. <laughs> he's proven. But, like, have you ever seen Logan Lucky? Uh, no. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty good, but he uh, he really does 
prove that he's a chameleon with accents, you know, because you just listen nice. to the guy talk normally and he's just an English guy. But then you hear you hear him in Logan Lucky and he's doing a very proto uh, Benoit Blanc. And then he comes in and he really just <laughs> sticks with say, it. Uh, try try watching a uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider where he uh, kind of does where he does a really bad just basic American accent. Okay. Oh, anybody seen that movie? That. I didn't realize. I'm pretty he was sure it was it. like one of his first movies in America. Huh? I had no, I had oh, no clue. But yeah, that I'm was sure a layer cake. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm pretty yeah, sure the, our actually, audience knows like me, Liam, and Christian's uh, opinions on Knives Out, but uh, Chris and John, I think you guys should do. I know John did on the last episode, but maybe for anyone who, who didn't hear it, what like what are you guys' experiences with the first Knives Out? Oh, that's knife why out? John did it on the last episode. Oh, oh fuck! Yeah, I, I just I, I, I just I, connected. I was, <laughs> yeah, um, I will say that. Um, well, first of all, when because I saw the movie in theaters almost as soon as it came out. Um, I, uh, big fan of Ryan Johnson, um, even in like his, his episodes of Breaking Bad, which funnily enough, he directed the highest rated and the lowest rated episodes on that show, both <laughs> of which are spectacular. Um, and, um, huge fan of The Last Jedi. It's my favorite Star Wars movie, mainly because of like the association I saw it in theaters. And, um, he, uh, as we mentioned, is like a master of subverting expectation um, but more to the point, he like he's clearly such a fan of what he does. Like he's a Star Wars fan and made a Star Wars movie that he wanted to make. Yeah. And uh, we can get into the reception of that film if we want to um, or or just kind of avoid that entirely. But this um, isn't a I Star was a Wars episode. Fan. I think we've we've established after we talked about the rise of Skywalker that we are never fucking talking about Star Wars again on this show. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. But like, I, it, like, so he's he's a fan of that, and then he clearly is a fan of the murder mystery to the point where, like, the way that he plays with it and the way that he subverts expectations, he's not trying to like to fuck with anyone. He's not being like, I'm smarter than you. I'm I'm better than you. He's just like, look at how much can be done and still be done with something like a murder mystery because it seems something that could easily get quite stale in terms of how do you how do you reinvent something like that? Um, and when Daniel Craig first opened his mouth when I saw that movie, I nearly like fell out of my seat. I was so unbelievably shocked. And the fact that it fits so well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Glass Onion in a second, but like, how how he manages to do himself mm-hmm. is insane, but yeah, and uh, and yeah, knives out one of my favorite movies for sure. And Chris, yeah, I got to throw in the same vein too. I was uh, I remember actually I remember the first time I watched it. I saw it the Friday it came out in theaters. I was uh, living up in Edmonton area at the time, and I remember my mom was in town visiting, and it was a brutal snowstorm. We drove through these back roads, convinced we were going to slide off the road, but we really wanted to go see this movie. And uh, I've been, I've been a fan of Ryan Johnson since Looper. I think Ozymandias uh, on Breaking Bad is just le- legitimate perfection. So, and then on top of that, Rise of, or not Rise of Skywalker, Last Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie as well. So um, that, that really added fuel to the fire. And then when this came out, I watched all the trailers. I was so excited. And I went in and I remember having this slight thinking of, 
how is this movie going to live up to my expectations? You know, I'm putting so much on this. It's got one of my favorite actresses and Jimmy Lee Curtis in it. I love Daniel Craig. Uh, I love Michael Shannon. Liam and I have talked at length about Michael Shannon. Oh, yeah. But, yeah uh, Shannon is loved around these these parts. He's okay. So, yeah. It's hard not to love him, right? So, yeah, I remember just going in and I, from, like you said, the time he started talking and the interview started happening, I just kind of became overwhelmed with this sense of, like, I am so in. I love this so much. And I was ended up really surprised as well. And yeah, I just, there's nothing I don't really love about that movie. It's, it's a five out of five for me. It's my favorite film of that year. One of my favorite films of all time. So I was so excited going into this one too. So I cannot think, I cannot hear the words Michael Shannon without hearing in my, hearing in my head, I will not eat one iota of shit. (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my favorite lines ever in any movie my my two ad-libbed it milk with those fucking cookies or something like that like yeah (laughs) cookies you you were speaking (laughs) russian bob uh but uh, for me it's uh there's a storm coming is a great one and uh and uh the way i see it you're all my children (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those, are, those are the Michael Shannon lines that just knock it out of the park. Um, yeah, so, I mean, real brief for Liam, Lucas, and I. So, uh, yeah, as you said, Liam Liam and I had seen it uh, ahead of time. It was you, me, and Tanya, right? Was that it, Liam? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think it was a similar similar sort of territory. We, we had both kind of, you know, heard about it, seen the trailers, et cetera, et cetera. There wasn't Every, as uh, much hype as I recall. I think the hype mostly came from Liam being a bigger fan of Ryan Johnson than me. You no, know, my hype came from that, like uh, the fact that I love The Last Jedi. And uh, when I saw the cast, mm-hmm. I was like, uh, oh, boy. And just the fact that he pretty much pulled all of a buddy that he earned from uh, uh, from The Last Jedi to get this thing funded. And he was going back to like kind of like a mystery like he did with Brick. Had me really excited. Yeah. So there was a number of reasons why we'd want to go check this out. And sure enough, we saw it. And I do remember laughing a lot. Um, Not as much as I laughed for Glass Onion, because I think Glass Onion is a significantly funnier film um, in comparison of the two. But I think you kind of have to do that, because with the first one, you're setting up this universe. You're setting up this character with Benoit Blanc and just how absurd of a person he is and then becoming significantly more absurd in the second one. And I just want to see him become more and more absurd as the, as the movies goes on. Cause I think they're they're for three sequels. Is that right? I could uh, be wrong. Netflix signed for two sequels. Two so sequels. it could be at least a trilogy at minimum, mm-hmm. a trilogy. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. The first time I saw it, I think similar reaction where I was like probably one of my favorites of that year. I don't know if I personally put it up there as like one of all time, but it's definitely one of my highest rated of like all time. Um, but yeah, I think I, I really, really, really enjoy the first knives out. So uh, Liam Lucas, I think, I think with um, uh, the first knives out part of what hit so hard at home for me was like that it, one, it exceeded my expectations. Um, two, I love mysteries and like those, that kind of old cinema inspired, like uh who classic whodunits. Which obviously it is one, but also like plays around with that tro- with those tropes and genre, and also with Knives Out, it it was oddly kind of personal for me to watch, because like uh, earlier that year we had, and without revealing too much about myself, there was a death in my family, 
with like an older family member and there was also at times it felt like I was living with the thrombies and the uh, Drysdales. Mm -hmm. So like uh, the kind of like awkward family dinners you have when like you're stuck with a bunch of uh, family members who you don't especially like or want to be around uh, definitely hit really close to home for me there. Um, also like, uh, it kind of like reinvented Daniel Craig in my head for me. Oh, sure. Because like, I've yeah. always, I've always been like, uh, I like Daniel Craig fine, like from Bond and whatnot, but in other things in the back of my head, I'd always kind of be like, that's eh, Daniel Craig. Um, but then here, like just seeing him absolutely become that character and seeing him like play off with, uh, some of like my, my already favorite actors, as well as some newcomers who have started to become some of my favorites, like, uh, uh, Anna Day Arms and, uh, Lakeith Stainfield. No, like, um, it's, uh, I flip-flop between whether or not it's my favorite Johnson film, like, because I am really close to Looper, as it's, that is absolutely a genre in my wheelhouse. Yep. But I think Knives Out, at least the first one, uh, what is it? I think is a near pitch-perfect film. I think we're all on a similar boat. Well, Lucas kind of gave us his little brief, uh, yeah, I, I fucking love Knives Out. It's, it's great. <laughs> so when Glass Onion was announced, uh, I know I can't be the only one who was a little apprehensive about it. Uh, like, yep. how can you how can you follow something like that up, right? Um, and then, yeah, then the cast started to kind of get re revealed. And um, some a part of me just hearing Batista being in this murder mystery direct, it, like a Knives Out movie, was baffling but also made perfect sense you know i feel i feel like baffling but doesn't make like it's baffling but it doesn't make perfect sense is like the perfect descriptor of this movie like <laughs> yeah baff, baff, like baffling but makes perfect sense exactly <laughs> also yeah. weirdly some of batista's roles because you're like how is this 50 year old like hulking man of a wrestler so funny so charming right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, and surprisingly able to carry himself in certain roles with like a lot of dramatic pathos like in blade yeah. runner or um i'll even fucking army of the dead there is none of that here i don't know yeah. <laughs> none of that yeah, no absolutely not yeah. uh so knives out Gla or glass onion knives out mystery uh again as we've said it multiple times the sequel uh to knives out takes place in 2020 as Lucas was saying earlier, uh, so it does take place during the pandemic, and there's a lot of like uh, uh, COVID iconography. You know, there's masking, there's uh, um, there's a lot of reference to social distancing and stuff like that. Uh, even like uh, this commentary carries on for the film, but there is definitely some of that like uh, people who over people with power who over profiteered during the pandemic. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Um, they do find ways to get around it really quickly in the movie, yeah. and it happens. They, I don't mind. It didn't mind, yeah. and, and it also happens yeah. to be probably one of the funnier scenes in the movie, which also ends up playing into the end joke. One of my favorite jokes of the whole fucking movie uh, is in this scene of how they kind of skirt around and it. What what they do with the pandemic stuff though is really interesting because like. The movie's not about the pandemic, like, no. at all, at all. Uh, but they use the pandemic and, like, the cultural conversations that were happening then uh, to help you really quickly identify, like, who each character is. Like, some characters were, were wearing masks, some characters were wearing, like, really heavy-duty masks, some people were not wearing masks, masks, and one person was wearing a mesh mask. <laughs> Fantastic. 
I thought I also did a good job um, helping um, add more depth to Blanc's character. We'll get into that obviously more later and everything. But I thought just adding more depth to Blanc's character in the in the under the guise of the pandemic was a good idea, and they did it pretty well there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, just showing like uh, what this guy gets up to, and like uh, when he's not sol when he's not solving a mystery, <laughs> just sits in his bathtub and smokes cigars. It's <laughs> fucking great. Uh, yeah. Um, so. Also, just even, like, one interesting quirk, uh, have, we'll get more into some of this later, but, like, one quirk I saw about his character is just how he really feels being around, like, really rich and really super well-off people. Like, he's kind of a fish out of water when he first gets to uh, uh, the island. Which is so funny, because he is also a rich person, you yeah, know? He's not, like, he's not, like, stupid rich. He's not, like, mm -hmm. uh... I don't know. Judging by how he has this, like, rooftop patio, uh... Uh, balcony in downtown New York City and he just he can get by just with a butler and fucking smoking cigars <laughs> in the bathtub all day he's a rich man but he doesn't flaunt it and he knows he knows he stays within his means you know I, I mean that's kind of how I see Benoit but um, yeah so there are like I said earlier there are a number of people in this film it's an ensemble cast and I think the the ensemble here is just fantastic they play off of each other so well and i, th I think oh, you really yeah. have to commend whoever did the casting for this movie um on top of of johnson there i because i don't i don't know who the casting director was but uh, you know uh, it's not like that they killed it yeah they killed well, they it even managed to pull in some actors who i'm either not the biggest fan of or just like who i've gotten kind of sick of like uh, I'm not really the biggest Kate Hudson fan in the world. Yeah. But, um. But and uh, they find ways uh, to make you less of a Kate Hudson fan and make that played <laughs> to to her advantage. Yeah. And uh, then like Catherine uh, was a Catherine Hahn. I've kind of started to get a little sick of in recent years. I've been a big fan of her for for a long time. I, I really like Catherine Hahn. Um. But yeah. Um, so... Sorry. Just like on the note of um like. Because like the the first movie is is very is is still about that like criticizing the the elite and the rich people, um, and then this movie does it on a whole other level. Yep. Um, <laughs> and what I appreciate um, that they really upped their game on like the costuming, like that these guys look so fucking good. And Benoit Blanc already looked great in his little suits in Knives Out. And now Glass Onion, his outfits are just fucking spectacular. Every oh, ask God, got his gray, blue, and white striped one when he's in a pool. <laughs> he goes yeah. swimming. Oh my God, it's so good. He's just in the water, waiting around, cup above the water. It's so funny. Oh man, when he, when he gets there, he's wearing like three or four layers under on his clothes, getting to this like beautiful island. Everyone yeah. else is just ready to go in the ocean or the pool. Yeah. He's coming from New York in the middle of uh, a pandemic, and then he's going to yeah. Greece where it's hot. Yeah. If any of you have been to Greece, oh, it's fucking hot. Don't go to Greece. No offense to one of our patrons. <laughs> but it's <laughs> fucking hot. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to talk about the cast a little bit more. So we have mm -hmm. uh, Daniel Craig, obviously, as, the, as Benoit Blanc as our, our lead. Uh, we have uh, Janelle Monet as uh, essentially our second lead throughout the film. Um, when she you... kind of spills a similar thing, but not entirely to like what Ana de Arms had in the first one. I did notice a lot of parallels between their characters, obviously, but uh, they are they are different enough that 
um, they kind of stand on their own. Uh, we also have Edward Norton playing uh, just an insufferable billionaire, just, <laughs> just insufferably smug. It's very, it's very clear that um, Ryan Johnson has the same opinions of about Elon Musk that I do. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was about to say insufferable insufferable billionaire is kind of redundant. But... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> ain't wrong. Well, as Liam said, we have Catherine Hahn here as well. Uh, she plays a uh, politician, somebody running for governor, I believe, of, mm-hmm. of her state. Uh, we have Leslie Odom Jr., who is a higher-level inventor, scientist, dude for Edward Norton's company, which is called Alpha. Uh, then we have uh, Kate Hudson, as we mentioned earlier, and Kate Hudson plays a... Washed-up model and socialite. Washed-up model, so- socialite. Uh, we have Batista, who plays a Twitch streamer. Uh, like, <laughs> a men's rights activist. Yeah, a men's rights activist. A men's rights activist. He's so funny. What an incredible role for him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and then we have a couple other people that fill out uh, you know, some slots. So we Madeline Klein, Jessica Henwick, uh, who are... Uh, Madeline, Madeline Klein plays... Uh, what's her name again? Um, is Batista? Whiskey. Uh, whiskey. whiskey. Whiskey yeah. and Jessica Henwick plays. Uh, Pe- is it Pam? No, it's not Pam. Peg. Yeah, Peg. Um, Peg. 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 Peggy. Peg. Uh, um, essentially, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate Hudson's overworked, like anxious um, assistant. Yeah. And, and, and uh, her Madeline and her PR team. Yes. Yeah. And Madeline Klein plays uh, Batista's inappropriately inappropriately young girlfriend. That's right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a wonderful, magnificent cameo. By Noah Sagan. Sagan? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, Noah Sagan. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just a magnificent cameo uh, in that film. There uh, there are some other cameos in the film that we'll um, talk about uh, in our spoiler half. Uh, but that's... I may ask a quick question um, on, the, on the topic of Noah Sagan. Just because I rewatched the first Knives Out, he's obviously in that one too. <laughs> Same same character no no his character is named <laughs> daryl in this and uh in uh, oh, no, 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 no. trooper wagner at least i hope not because yeah. I, I would hope that trooper wagner just hasn't gone through a lot of crap yeah <laughs> <laughs> so pure, and i don't want to see him ending up like he does in this one yeah <laughs> oh. <laughs> Poor <Or not>. <laughs> fucking daryl oh my god so that's that's the cast kind of in a nutshell and i i guess it's hard for us not to really talk about this movie without spoiling it too much so i guess that some things that we can talk about just in terms of technical stuff um i i think it, they definitely stepped up a lot of the cinematography with this with this film um obviously you kind of have to um with with things like this where the first movie takes place within mostly just the house um and you know some extra areas uh, in and around it mostly it's very grounded it's um, a relatively rural uh area yeah and, and pretty pretty grounded when it comes to how things need to look and you know it being a murder mystery and whatnot this one steps it up by being by taking place in in you know a uh exotic place and you know it's on a private island a it's private island even a bond villain would envy yeah it's a <laughs> it's a massive uh, billionaire's complex he what does he say he doesn't call it a, ho- a house what does he call it he calls it like a palace or something or like, like a, a uh, yeah something something along those lines. he what john he calls it a hostel or like a commune <laughs> oh commune yes. he called it a commune yeah. that's right he called it a commune a commune i see more as a commune um what an asshole 
but <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the cinematography really like the, you kind of have to step it up and and part of it is because it is a it's a world adventure now and i think if we don't continue to put benoit blanc in places that where he is truly a fish out of water then we are remiss in, in time and space. Also, saying that cinematography was stepped up is also saying a lot, because my first Knives Out is a really nice-looking movie. Mm-hmm. But it's... This one is a lot more... I think it's that well, the first one's a lot more grounded. This one's a lot more extravagant. Yes. And and it definitely does have the same sort of feeling and look of a streaming movie, you know, in terms of what its cinematography and everything like that that it was capable of. Uh while the first one definitely had more of a push towards making it a theatrical experience, right? This one you're going to be able to watch it just like on your phone while you Yeah, they they were they're shooting they weren't shooting it for a theater, they were shooting it for like people's home TV. Yeah, more. 4K televisions and stuff. But still looked great on a on a, it looked on amazing. a large screen. So I, yeah, I honestly like cuz I have this thing with a lot of Netflix movies where uh, they're shot in a different aspect ratio where at times I don't know if it's just like my eyes can't adjust but they look weir- weirdly cheap or like uh, backgrounds that uh, like I remember when we watched uh, Velvet Buzzsaw I remember even though I know they shot on a location for some reason to me it looked like it was shot on a green screen I don't know why I didn't have that problem here yeah it definitely looked yeah. and felt like it was shot on location uh, same so- problem with uh, Triple Frontier as well I know that movie's pretty good looking for the most part but there was a couple points where I felt like I was watching a, a Marvel green screen movie even though it was shot on location I think in South America I don't know Triple Frontier it's pretty solid out of netflix movies goes it's definitely one of the more enjoyable ones that's one with uh oscar isaac and uh ben affleck right yeah and charlie hunnam and pedro pascal okay ah. okay yeah yeah ringing some bells uh i i i think the other thing that is a big part of this experience and how things got stepped up was the screenplay uh unbelievable just fantastic incredibly sharp yeah just so spectacular so witty so yeah sharp witty also really dumb at points but they point out <laughs> when when it is dumb they really really but it's like it, it it's not it, it's like intentionally dumb and it's dumb in like a fun way that makes sense for the characters it's yeah. not like it's not like the, like the writers made a dumb choice it's like the writers may have made a very specific choice inspired by the setting and the characters that is just really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> even um well even things that like uh like this is just this is I don't really consider this a spoiler because it's pretty early in the movie, but in any other filmmaker's hands this would have easily just come across as like cheap product placement or just obnoxiousness like uh Thor playing uh Fortnite in um Endgame or uh <laughs> but like uh Benoit Blanc sitting in his tub Plague Among Us because he just needs some kind of a mystery to solve. Like, yeah, you, at first I was like, oh no, Among Us. But I'm like, wait, no, this is actually telling us something about his character. He's playing right. a murder yeah. mystery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, He's uh, bad at it. Excellent. How he, like, stepped up his game because, like, the the sheer detail in Knives Out is is kind of insane. The way that he was able to to craft and 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 be so particular in what he's making, um, and you really have to pay attention. But like, I I am astounded at the level of detail that is in this sequel and how on fucking earth did he pull it all together? Know exactly what he needed to do, and also like to have that whole cast trust 
him and this script to know exactly what it needs to be in order to pull it off effectively. Very impressive. Because like everything comes back at some point, basically. And some of the, some of them are very some of the some very stupid little jokes come back as very important plot points. Yeah, like, <laughs> which is so hard to I do. Like a fucking moron for mm-hmm. missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I I think I was gonna I was gonna say like uh, we've talked a lot about uh, the production and like our experiences with the first knife out knives out and uh, like how the movie was made and stuff like that. We haven't really discussed our opinions of the movie yet. Though I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was good. I fucking loved it. Yeah, funky yeah, brain likes good mystery. Yeah. <laughs> I, I fucking loved it. Um, uh, whether or not I like it more than the first one or not, I think is just gonna have to take a wait and see approach. But right now, I think they're about equal with each other. Yeah, that's fair. Because there are things I uh, like. I'll always have that personal like connection to the first one. But this one, just like everything done with it alone, matches, if not in some ways, exceeds the first one. Yeah, and they're they're very different movies, is the thing too. So it's like kind of hard to oh, totally compare different. them. Because mm-hmm. like the second one is like the first one's primarily sort sort of a mystery thriller sort of thing, and it's it's like its secondary genre is is comedy. Whereas this one, I think its primary genre is comedy, where the yeah. second one is a mystery. And kind like of comedy espionage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a uh, lot both of them both of them yeah. have a heavy dose of social commentary as well. Uh, but like, I I find it hard to like compare the two because they are so different. Like they're sort of serving di- different purposes. Uh, I I I I had, I think I had more fun in the theater for Glass Onion. I'll say that yeah, for sure. Sure, I'll um, agree with you there. Part, yeah, partly because I saw it with a bunch of friends, and also because the crowd was, like, movies are way more fun when you have like an active participating crowd, in my opinion. Like, oh, oh we lost John. We lost John. I assume <laughs> him John. Join us. He did not agree with me. You uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't like that hot take, hey, John? Yeah, <laughs> I'd get out. Here, no. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I, I think I, I love this movie so much. Uh, I, I think it, I pro- it, I'm I'm, ju- I'm immediately just as attached to Glass Onion as I am to Knives Out. Uh, I, I think it's a movie I'll revisit a lot. Uh, and I don't really revisit movies very often. Uh, so, yeah, I fucking loved it. I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, sitting next to Christian in this theater is one of the best experiences of my life. I, <laughs> I really appreciated watching this movie next to you. Um was that was just a hell of a lot of fun why <laughs> also, I just shout out Leon, so, sorry i'll go on oh i just like i think it's the same thing it's just like you know i i, I it just matched exactly how i was feeling and i was like i'm not the only one obviously everybody in the theater like what you said was just like vibing with it and like it is especially it being a sequel to like a lot of people like knives out um it was kind of like uh i don't know if you call it a sleeper head but people didn't know what to expect when watching the first one and then the sequel, it was like, okay, so I've I know what that was, and uh, I'd love to see what this one is, and it did not disappoint. Chris, what yeah, were you going to say? Oh, so what you were saying about sitting next to Christian. Also, same with Liam. I've known Liam for so many years at this point. I don't think I've ever seen him laugh that loud. Like, just <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Like, <laughs> like, like, like Liam. Like, I was on the I was on the other side of Liam, and like one one thing that I thought during the movie was like. 
like I hear Liam laugh fairly regularly, but like he he doesn't he's not as like vocal with his laughing as like a lot of other people. And he was fucking howling during <laughs> Glass Onion. We was so much fun. Muscle or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had Lucas on one side of me and Chris on the other, and it was just a fucking funny factory where yeah. we were sitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad so, we all liked it. I'm glad we yeah. all liked Glass Onion. Now let's spoil the shit out of it. Yeah, so, let's do it. So future so future you... Christian, put on a cool like guitar riff with spoiler alert on it, like right now. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, this is live, <laughs> by the way. This is not live. <laughs> Shit's not. Well, that was a great choice. Thanks, John. <laughs> yeah. John wrote that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Perfect. So, so we are going to spoil Glass Onion for you, uh, not 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 in a bad way, in a good way. Like we're gonna tell you shit that happens. Uh, so as we've mentioned multiple times, there it is a very funny movie. It does take place during uh, COVID, and part of how they get around it is there's a great moment very early on when they first arrive in Greece, where there's a surprise cameo from fucking Ethan Hawke. Uh, Ethan Hawke cures COVID. Ethan Hawke cures COVID. <laughs> He just he just kind of fucking shows. It's the only scene he's in the movie. That's it. He's just. He's I just, heard he was. I remember he was. I, he it was announced, but he was casted even before Edward Norton. And I thought that, that like, true? yeah, he like, was an, I didn't remember that. He just showed up, and uh, I was like, fucking hawk. And that was the most disappointing part of the movie is that he left, and I was like, ah, like see ya. <laughs> but the but the but the two minutes he was on screen, he fucking owned it. That's hilarious. <laughs> what was he My, credited as again? Efficient man. Efficient <laughs> man. You're good. Did we, if we're yeah, on, you're good. Did we just go through uh, the cameos to start? Yeah, I think. I mean, even earlier in the movie than Ethan Hawke, we we spoke about Blanc's bathtub scene and playing Among Us. But what we didn't talk about, obviously, because spoilers, is the fact that fucking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Natasha Lyonne, Angela Lansbury, and Steven Sondheim are on a fucking call with him. And they're all playing Among Us with him. It's yeah. Like... You, you need way more people than that to play Among Us, but it's okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I understood why uh, the two two of the cameos were pretty random. I mean, two of them I understood. Like, I understand why we put Sodenheim and uh, Lansbury there, because it's clear Ryan Johnson pulled some influence from them. But why Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? <laughs> why Natasha Lyonne? How did she fit into this? I, I, think, I think Natasha Lyonne, because she's the star of another big Netflix thing is is my uh, guess. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm with uh whatever that Andrew Garfield movie was on uh, last year. Um but like obviously obviously it does like it's it's their fun cameos but it does play into the world building of like so like first of all the fact that like Benoit Blanc just kind of came out of nowhere in the first one, but in this one everybody knows they see him they're like you're the world's greatest detective. He's like oh he's like oh shut yeah, yeah it, it's even built on that from the first one because like he's not super well known but um did see tony collette's like oh you're famous i read yeah. an article about an article about you <laughs> i read a tweet about an article about you yeah excellent yeah. also um, uh it's just just a quick quick thing about uh the cameos i saw a post uh online about how someone's like 
I really want Ryan Johnson to keep making movies, but also I just want it known that he's directed the last performances of Carrie Fisher, Angela Lansbury, and Cecil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm murdering these people. I there are there's a name drop for Jared Leto in this film, which is gross because yeah. he sucks as a human being. But it's a whatever, and I, and I think part the fact that he's making like hard kombucha just proves how much of a fucking asshole he is you know just really makes the and i think ryan johnson also doesn't like him and that's why he maybe put that joke in that he makes hard kombucha uh after we watched it was like because obviously we're 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 in a we're in a an age of film where just we're riddled riddled with fucking pop culture references and Ryan Johnson handles them with such ease and lack of obnoxiousness. Like it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we mentioned this person we all know, Jared Leto. You don't have to nobody has to be like, oh, Jared Leto, that asshole who's in the Suicide Squad. Um, not the Suicide Squad, but yeah. Um, and just very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I, to... d- I am a little worried that they'll date the film, you know, in a number of years, you know, especially like Serena Williams has a has a cameo in it as well. Spectacular! Uh, it was a very funny cameo. Uh, so she, because uh, uh, Edward Norton's character, uh, who's Miles Braun, is his name, uh, leader and uh, sorry owner of a massive tech company called Alpha, which again also so douchey, uh, but. So he obviously has like Peloton and shit in his house, and one of the th- hires a uh, fucking Jillian Flynn to write his murder mystery. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> but he's got Serena Williams to like run him through activities and stuff. And at first, it just looks like she's just a poster, like a digital poster. And then Ben Wapluck and uh, and uh, what's her name, uh, Cassandra? Or no, I guess that's, uh, that's Helen. Helen at that. Helen slash Cassandra. Yeah, is mm-hmm. they're, they're discussing something, and she turns. She's like, "Do you guys want a class or something?" Yeah, it's a very funny bit. I'm on the clock. It's your money. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, There's uh, also Jeremy Renner also appears in a in a in a picture. Camera. Oh, I do. I do want to talk about that um, later. Oh, man. So there is, uh, and the the last one I can think of is uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, we're all um, you're all forgetting one very important one, and that's the, the the best one. The best one, and that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt voicing Miles's clock, the hourly dong. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did. He so for, for anyone who's watching this without watching the spoilers without having seen the movie, there's like throughout the movie, there's this random, random just uh, dong that goes off. And someone's like, What's that? And, and Miles is like, Oh, it's the hourly dong. Yeah. I got something. I was something in Philip Glass for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was something the first time we watched it. Like, you notice that the first couple dies when they draw attention to it, but then it kind of goes in the background. So when I resaw it on Saturday, I don't know why I'm holding a stapler, but when I resaw it on Saturday, <laughs> I've been playing with a knife the whole time. (laughs) Oh, you're getting ready for a Christian fight, hey? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who's winning this? versus knife. But anyway, whenever we saw it on Saturday, um, they call attention to it. Obviously, notice that one. But I notice it every single time throughout the like throughout the movie when the dong went off, and I'm just I started laughing every time. And my friend Ryan, who I went and saw it with, who hadn't seen it at this point, he's just like, "Why are you laughing so hard?" I'm just sitting there <laughs> wheezing because all here's dong. <laughs> I did not know that was good. Yeah, yeah. Liam, Liam told told uh, me and uh, Chris uh, when we were walking to our cars afterwards. Uh, oh, 
so good. I think I'd, I'd seen it in the credits, and I said to Liam, look at the name on the dong. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. It also says on Wikipedia that Hugh Grant cameos as Philip, Bob Wonk's domestic partner. So is Bet? Yeah, I was actually gonna say uh, Ryan Johnson did an interview recently where he said he was trying. He didn't want to make it obvious, but he was trying to imply that uh, uh, Benoit Blanc is queer. Oh, cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, That's cool. Chris and Christian assumed that was his butler. I did. In fact, <laughs> I thought it was. was his I, I was like, there was part of me that thought it in my head. Just a member was all. I was like. Was like you could tell he's getting really. I was like, is this his partner? Is Butler? His, Does he refer um, to him um, as Mister Blanc though? He, no, he, yeah, he, he calls him Blanc. Yeah, he doesn't call him Mister Blanc. He calls him Blanc. But yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. But like, in all fairness to you, Christian, too, like, when have you ever, after the first movie, thought of Blanc's sexuality? I never have once <laughs> no. thought about it. So I say, oh, this could very well be his Butler because he's yeah. calling him Blanc. <laughs> no, I, I got no time for sex. I'm too busy solving mess for it. <laughs> Among us in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love the idea though that like even even uh, Benoit's like closest people in his life call him Blanc. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my God. Okay, so we kind of give you a brief description of what happens in the movie, but we'll dive a little bit more deep into it now. So, uh, at the beginning of the film, uh, everyone, the the major part of the cast, that all the all of uh, Miles Braun's friends receive a giant box in their at their home. Inside of this box is a, a number of puzzles. They have to solve these puzzles to get deeper into the puzzle box until finally. They find a glass onion, and it opens up, and inside is an invitation to Miles Braun's extreme Greek getaway island, where they're going to have a murder mystery. Um, you know, pretty is a very elaborate uh, prop, a very very cool prop. Um, and the way that they all solve it together and whatnot is is really really fun and endearing. And then and then cut the Monet and the way she solves it. <laughs> And then cut, cut the Janelle Monet, and she just beats it with a hammer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> mention Batista's mom while he's fretting. Oh yeah, just like <laughs> that was so good. Yes, very funny. Oh stuff. my god! But I, mean, I, just, I need to watch this movie again. <laughs> I intend. Yeah. I intend to. Uh, yeah, I do too. But uh, Benoit Blanc uh, also gets his hands on one of these uh, these boxes somehow mysteriously, uh, and arrives uh, uh, in Greece for this getaway where they're met by Ethan Hawke, who shoots them all in the mouth with a gun that makes them. What does he say? He's just like, well, like, do I got to lie down or something? And he's just like, you're good. You're good. Yeah. You're good. But I think good. I think the only does does it say anything other than open, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> this is essentially it. Open your mouth, please. You're good. Oh, and he, he says, says, he like, says this this might be a little uncomfortable at first. Oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah. So he's a couple more lines than that, but not many. He's not very many. efficient as he's um, built. Not many. They uh, head to the island. Uh, like of uh, a first one. Uh, these guys are all like different. They're all like uh. Well, one thing they kind of all have in common is that they're the worst kind of they're the worst kind of rich people. Like, uh, <laughs> um, they get there, uh, they all get acquainted, and all settled. But Miles calls Mister Blanc to his office, and he says, "Like I didn't invite you." 
So that's our first cue uh, was a clue of a mystery. Yes. Of like who invited him and what's really going on here. Yeah, and and like the first knives out, uh well, in the first the first knives out is I've said this many times, it's not a who done it, it's a how and why done it, right? That's that's really what it's about cuz they tell you who did it in the first act at the end of the first act, you know? Uh, that's great threw me for a loop um and i remember sitting there smiling the whole time like how the fuck did you pull that off (laughs) and how are you gonna pull this off this one the the actual murder that happens is not the one that's important you know for for what's actually going on in the movie and Mm -hmm. the actual the actual important murder happened before the movie even started exactly um which is fascinating like you expect the mur- the movie to be about solving the murder of you're assuming throughout the first little bit to be Miles Braun that everyone here is brought to the island. Uh, Benoit even says it to to him. He says like you you fucking killed yourself. That's you what just you put did. A huge target on you. You invited all these people uh, here right and after, put it in their heads that they can kill you. Uh, which right after one of my favorite bits of a movie, in under a minute he solves Braun's was mur- <laughs> a murder mystery. <laughs> and like i want to call attention to the fact that like yeah like you say christian the first one subverts your expectations of a mystery and then fucking somehow ryan johnson subverts your already subverted expectations of a murder mystery where he just does what he did in the first one a condensed finessed version that is so satisfying to watch and then it all culminates. He gets like shot with the arrow, and just the blood spurting out. And Edward Norton is fucking pissed. It's not. He doesn't <laughs> look on his face. He doesn't act. It's a prop arrow, and it's mm-hmm. like prop blood and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. But that prop blood then inspires uh, him later on in the film. Inspires Benoit later on in the film as well. Oh and, my god, it's so good. Um, but. Either, so essentially, following that, Benoit Blanc in under a minute completely just ruins the entire party by just exposing it all uh, on purpose. Like, like the, mur- the murder, the the murder hadn't even happened yet. Yeah. And uh, Ben, ben and the, one of the one of my favorite bits was like Ben was like, "Is there a prize? <laughs> do, I, do I get an iPad? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I actually I don't really need an iPad. Yeah." <laughs> And he's like, have we started yet? He's like, sure, we started. And then he just launches into this, like, uh, whole, solves like, it. yeah, he just solves it immediately. He starts going about, like, what is it, like, this African ruby or whatnot? That, um... Yeah. Sorry, Chris. He does his, say... like, donuts hole in the donuts hole argument from the end of the first one where he's, like, ripping Chris Evans and, like, how he, sol- he does that at that point of the movie. And you're just like, mm-hmm. what? The whole so detective it... unravels the mystery trope. Yeah. <laughs> So I think I think John said something that kind of got cut out. Oh, um, what was it? Oh yeah, it just seems like he can't help himself. Like that's that's what it seems like, and that's the impression that I got. That he's like he's just so excited that he like is. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like that trope of like the 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 lack of self awareness that this like super intelligent detective has, and then of course in the very next scene he's like, I did it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then there's another and then there's another layer on top of that that we don't know about at this point in the movie where it's like mm-hmm. all kind of an act but like ugh. there's yeah. so many 
This, uh, this movie's called Glass Onion because it's, it's, it's got layers. It's got many layers. <laughs> I didn't put that together. I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I'm a fucking moron. Uh, I just put it together as I was as I was saying that. Great, but yeah. Um, yeah. But then, essentially, then uh, they're all kind of like it's like, well, we'll just have a party. We'll just hang out, and then our man Batista dies. Yes, Dave Batista, who play who's a character. Is named Duke Cody, uh, falls dead, and you're like, "Oh shit! This is the mystery that we're gonna solve." Again, so that they is... fucking solve it real fast in the end. Yeah, that, that was the one thing, literally the only thing that I was able to actually predict, which I don't think is any sort of flaw in the film. But when um, when Ethan Hawke shows up with his with his little COVID cure or whatever, um, Batista very very obviously is like duke don't dance with pineapple there's no don't dance with pineapple so i was like oh is uh that's that's obviously going to come back in some fashion um and it does but in a way where it's like what a fucking stupid fucking obvious thing it's just Um, dumb Based with your expectations too, because you say that, but then they go so long without bringing a pineapple and you know when with setting up Braun being murdered and you know, you think he's just been poisoned or whatever, but it's like, no, he just fucking drank some pineapple juice. (laughs) Well, he did I mean Braun did poison him with the Mm pineapple because he gives him the glass. Yeah, but it but (laughs) to make make it look like an accident, he's just like, No, that's just stupid. I bring it back real quick before yeah. this party there's just excellent excellent sleuthing going on from from blanc hiding in various places and the way that the camera moves just like pushes towards him is just it's so beautiful funny. wonderful yeah. to watch and and, th- and then they like they, they do that they double down on one shot they like repeat the joke but like up at a level where like uh uh batista's uh character's girlfriend is like sleeping with edward norton and like, and Batista's like watching, uh, and like getting mad and stuff. And then you just see Benoit Blanc just come out from behind and be like, <laughs> literally like a Scooby Doo movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they and then they repeat that joke down the road. It just makes it even funnier. Yeah. So that's something they do really well. Is, sorry to interrupt. There's something that that's something they do really well too. Is they bring back these moments where it's like. It, this could be an insignificant joke or something like the one I can think of that comes back later is the uh, uh, this is a non-smoking pool area. This is the non. <laughs> he fucking tries to throw the cigar the cigar away. <laughs> the water. Please keep our water clean. Please keep our water clean. <laughs> <laughs> and like it's funny and it's funny and then also foreshadows uh, the 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 end of the movie. Uh, uh, but also it it uh, another purpose it serves is it, is it kill, when when we do flashbacks it helps you keep track of the timeline as well yeah Which, so, it's, so it's like it's it's so it's just such a little brilliant little writing technique because it's uh, it, it's funny it comes back and it helps like keep everything clear. So as Lucas mentioned, there uh, there are a lot of flashbacks in this movie, which is really relevant. Uh, I'm getting some feedback from somebody. I don't know if that's just me, um, but anyway. Uh, it is, yeah. I'm getting weird feedback. Oh, where it's it's from uh, Chris. Oh, that yeah. might be it. No, maybe. What do I do? <laughs> this is a thr- <laughs> thrilling part of this episode of the Thundercast, everybody. Sorry. Um, I I don't know. I think it'll be fine. But anyway, uh, I so there's a lot of flashbacks, and part of that is because um the real mystery gets 
unve- unveiled in the uh, roughly middle point of the film, where you learn where? that this character, uh, played by Janelle Monet, Andy, who they've been hyping up this entire movie as the person who you think is going to be the one who kills Miles Braun because he deserves it, because she, because Andy got conned out of out of Alpha pretty early on, or sorry, uh, pretty recently, and everything like that, uh, only to be revealed that that's not Andy. That Andy has been dead for a week, and that this is actually her sister Helen, um, masquerading. Yeah, Ryan, this is where uh, a real twist and turns come in, as Ryan Johnson completely flips his premise. Mm-hmm. And it, this is what I was saying when it kind of turns into like an espionage type of a thing. Yeah, I didn't get that until you you put it in my head that it is a little bit like a spy movie, um, because she is in disguise. Also, I just want to put out there that this is a trope I just kind of love in movies, the whole having to be incognito without the rope being pulled out from under you were getting caught. I don't know Mm -hmm. why, but it's one of my favorite things to watch in movies, Mm -hmm. particularly thrillers and comedies. Well, a great bit of detail that that I did I did notice in retrospect um, when uh, when everybody's showing up to the the boat that's going to take them to the island, um, when Janelle Monáe shows up. Uh, out of that car and everybody is like watching her show up it like i uh, uh, pans to daniel craig and he is exclusively watching everybody react to her be there because yeah. he is aware he's like who doesn't who thinks that she's not supposed to be there just some brilliant stuff yeah uh so <clears throat> you in this flashback we're we're taught that uh um Helen went to Benoit with the smashed up package, thus revealing how he found out about everything that was going on. And, and uh, just, just running it back a little bit, there's a, there's a great joke where uh, Benoit is talking to uh, Edward Norton uh, Miles, and uh, he, he's like, yeah, there, there was this box that showed up in my house with a bunch of children's puzzles in it. And <laughs> <laughs> How easy to solve. Yeah. <laughs> I ran through them in about an hour. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Helen shows up, invites him, kind of informs him of how her, she has suspicions over how this gang of people killed her sister, Andy, um, to kind of keep her silent because she had this red envelope. Is it revealed that she knows what's in the envelope that early? I don't think it is. Uh, no, I don't know, think so. They start to put it together as they go. Yeah. We know as the audience what it is later oh no i guess we don't not at that point in the film we do learn pretty like later on what is actually in that envelope yeah it's not really immediately apparent like you have a kind of a hint of it because there's all the talk about the napkin but it's not really explicitly said until about a bit of a way through her flashback yeah uh so they concoct this plan to to go out to to greece to um to miles's commune and uh, (laughs) infiltrate and find as much information so that they can then go and kind of put everybody away that needs to be put away trying to be trying to play a real life game of clue (laughs) I hate this game (laughs) this never happens in clue I'm stupid I never win (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, to say, I don't know if somebody else wants to take over because I feel like I'm I'm omitting a lot of important details. But I mean, there's there's so many details in this movie; it's impossible for us to cover them all without this episode being like twelve hours long. That's true. I guess. Like, <laughs> we haven't even talked about Batista's underwear gun yet. 
Oh yeah, no, because after he dies, it's like, wait, where does gun go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's like this stupid joke about him always having a gun, just like like in his in his belt. Uh, he's in the fucking he's... pool. Yeah, he's like in a speedo in a pool. And he's still got a gun, like. <laughs> in his... Um, and, like, I, and that I, becomes an extremely important plot point. Yeah, and and like it's it's like it's about trust trust in the filmmaker because there were like there were points in the first half where like some things seemed disjointed. So like Janelle Monet is shot, and then Daniel Craig reacts to it, and then it cuts to him standing up. There's a tear coming down from his eye, and I was like, that's weird, but there's got to be something to it, and then. There's also like multiple disjointed points with the sleuthing, and then obviously later on with um, my absolute favorite moment of the entire movie. Um, she gets shot. We we notice that it's not real. The book was in the way. Um, she's not dead, and then we know as an audience, okay, so she's covered in something that looks like blood. He's reaching into his pocket. I did not know what it was, but I was like, I know that we have seen this already. And then he just fucking turns it. Jeremy Renner hot sauce. <laughs> he screamed. And I laughed so fucking hard. Holy crap. So that was bad. incredible. And it's established. It's established earlier on. And it's a throwaway joke that Jeremy Renner makes this hot sauce and Miles Braun happens to have a small batch of it. And it's such yeah, a throwaway yeah. joke. I thought it's it was just a throwaway way. joke as like a way to comment on like uh, just weird business endeavors that rich or celeb rich people or celebrities make. They mentioned in the same breath as Jared Leto's kombucha, so it just yeah, like yeah. red herring of some small fucking detail that's a hilarious joke later on, and then he puts it in his fucking eye. Oh my <laughs> oh god. god. Denver's a hilarious but anxiety-inducing point. So yeah. he doesn't he doesn't mean to put it in his eye because he's trying to splash it on his face to make it look like it's the splatter blood splatter from her getting shot. Oh, I thought he was but trying to make himself cry. He, yeah, he puts it right in his eyes to make it look like he was crying. Is that what it is? Okay, I read it. I read it the wrong way. Yeah, I guess Chris, you you have the most up-to-date knowledge of this. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the and then so so they splattered the uh, hot sauce all over uh, Janelle Monae's uh, clothes to make it look like she'd been shot and blood was coming out and all that. And then, uh, there's everyone's kind of gathered around the body and they're talking and there's a, and then they keep cutting to this close up where a little bit of hot sauce is dripping down Janelle Monae's face and heading like, right toward her nose. And even before <laughs> that, it's like, wait, is it heading to her eye? Yeah. Did, did you have that? It's like, oh no, no nose, nose. <laughs> And you're like, get everybody away! <laughs> oh, yeah. oh man, that was also one of my favorite shots of the movie. Just before that, and it's more so like scene in the the pre flashback is when she's dead on the like dead on the ground, and it just does this wide like panning shot of everyone coming mm -hmm. into view and looking on it. That was such really a cool, cool stylistic choice by Ryan Johnson. And then when you see it in this uh, the revelation of the flashback, it's just hilarious because she's trying so hard not to have this thing going to her eye and her nose. Yeah. And then, and from there, I believe uh, Benoit takes everybody back into the Glass Onion, where uh, they they play with the like detective unraveling the mystery trope, where he starts to explain the the mystery to everybody. But really, Benoit at this at this point doesn't really know what happened. He like he he has a lot of disjointed parts, but he hasn't put it together. And so, and he's also just trying to keep everybody busy while uh, Helen uh, goes around and like ransacks everybody's room looking for like the MacGuffin for the. Uh, 
the 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 napkin that proves uh Andy was the one who came up with uh the the business thing. Uh it it's not super clear what it is exactly, but like it doesn't need to be. Uh and Benoit's just like kind of rambling, trying to sound smart, and then but eventually through this rambling, he's he kind of accidentally figures out what happened. Yeah. And then he actually starts doing he just actually starts unraveling the mystery. And it's there's just moments where he's talking, he's talking, uh, and then he just like pauses very clearly. Is just desperately trying to think of something to say. Well, you think it's <laughs> like uh, in the first one where it's like uh, where he, it's clear that he finds it that he that he does like to hear himself talk, and he does find yeah. the whole thing amusing. So you think it might be kind of that, but then as she starts to look around, it's like, oh no, he's actually just trying to uh, distract him. And hold yeah. I attention. see it as two things. I see it as, yes, he's trying to buy time, but two, I think he's also, when he pauses, he's also just baffled by the stupidity of this, of the, this mystery that he's solving. And yeah. he's like, wait, no, that can't be it. And then he says yeah. it out loud and, he, and then they're all, they all kind of look around and confirm it. And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah, which, and then this leads to probably one of the best reveals and most like kind of unexpected but hilarious one, but like it makes sense of throughout the film, Edward Norton says these words that you're just kind of like, what? When he's describing something, it's like the wrong word, but he makes it sound earnest. It's like these and port, all... portmanteaus, but they're like made yeah, just or... totally fictional fucking words. Yeah, or or it's a real word that he just like just completely misuses. Yeah. And like yeah. he but Edward Norton is so charismatic and confident that you kind of just buy it. Yeah. And and that's something like I, I think a lot of audiences won't notice right away. So then I that builds up to the it. point. Yeah, I noticed the first one, but afterwards I was just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. When he says "inerate this moment" or whatever, I was like, I don't know, that's a word. Yeah. Whatever. Well, yeah, when that that first one came up, I was like, I don't think that's a word. Or <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and then that all builds up to the point where he's realizing everything, and he goes, "I come to one realization: Miles Brown is an idiot." And then yeah. it comes back in place. <laughs> all the situations are just like, oh my god. Oh my god! Uh, it's so good. One of my favorite jokes of the movie where uh, he talks about how. Uh, was it's revealed that Miles Braun, what is it? Uh, I would put my pineapple juice in uh, Duke's drink and gave it to him. Yeah, um, and then and, uh, what's it? Kate Hudson. And, like that's brilliant. No, and it's like no. It's, <laughs> what is it? It's um. It's like it's so stupid. It's brilliant. No, it's just dumb. Yeah, <laughs> dumb. It's just you dumb. based your whole murder mystery plan off of what I told you. Yeah. It's like put it's like putting a load of gun on the table and turning the lights out. And then and then he clicks <laughs> in and he's like, "Oh shit, you have a gun." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I think we do I feel like we are missing the best joke of the entire thing and it's not relevant to what it's relevant to the grander story but not relevant to the mystery that well, I guess it is because Miles Braun developed a, uh, or is developing basically hydrogen-based energy that's limitless. It can it can power a bunch of shit. The building is powered off of the, one of these tiny little crystals. It's p- powering up the entire island and everything. The problem is, is every single person that's at that at that island has a stake in why this is a good idea or a very fucking bad idea. They know it's very bad, but they yeah. uh. But they know it's in their, in their financial and uh, public image to not uh, to just go along with it. It's in their yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're all they're all yeah they're, they're all as as uh, as uh, Andy uh, slash Helen succinctly put it 
uh, grabbing at Miles Braun's golden tits. So yeah. <laughs> now Kate Hudson, we haven't talked about her a lot. Um, plays as we said, Birdie, who is a washed up uh, uh, model, but also kind of an a, a entrepreneur in a way. Mm-hmm. She's more of mm-hmm. a face. Uh, she produces designer sweatpants. Mm-hmm. That's her thing, and she's she's very stupid. She's very dumb, and Miles Braun is basically going to get her to take the fall of uh, one of her factories being a sweatshop that produces these things because that way, if if she falls, um, then the energy, then he's able to what is it like? He's just he won't get into much trouble if the, his energy thing. Yeah. Falls or, uh, yeah, like uh, they just don't want to hurt his image. Uh, yeah. So she's taking the fall for it being a uh, sweatshop. Yeah. Because he's her main financial backer too, right? Yeah. Right. Now, Peg and and uh, Birdie are having this conversation about why she shouldn't sign this piece of paper, and eventually it gets to a point where they say <laughs> it's from so a Peg, sweatshop. Peg, you know. Yeah. Like, but- Peg, Peg uh, pulled up her, her texts from her secret phone or something like that, and it's and uh, someone texted her saying, "Hey, the uh, Bang Bangladesh location uh, is um, is notoriously one of the biggest sweatshops in the world. Please advise." And Birdie texted back, "Sounds perfect." A dab emoji. <laughs> and this leads to Peg being like, "You didn't think that sweatshops produced sweat." <laughs> that's my favorite line of the movie it's so yeah. good and it's just the way she plays it like so deadpan She's so but funny. i fucking came unglued i yeah. i couldn't i couldn't do it it's so there's also a number of other moments where she's just completely oblivious like she's talking about her beyonce thing on the ellen degeneres show <laughs> tribute, to beyonce. A tribute to beyonce it's a tribute <laughs> or she compared herself to harriet tubman but just in spirit <laughs> <laughs> very clearly Every, a racist yeah very everything clearly. she fucking says i'm laughing but i'm also like like my yeah. asshole's clenching i'm like wow uh, but, but I, I i i who who is that actress who played peg uh i don't, I don't know. okay i don't know that i've seen her in much before she was but... on uh luke cage okay um or no she was on uh, iron fist and yeah, um, okay, she, she's also in game of thrones oh right she was one of the sand snakes right yeah yeah, she was much better in, yeah, she was much better in this movie. But uh she her delivery of like her just just she's clearly dead inside. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> desperately trying to not lose her only career option through Birdie. And she well, she and, has that line where she says, like, my my resume, my C V literally says Birdie, 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 one year of retail, Birdie. <laughs> like <laughs> She's like, I don't have anything else. I have to protect this woman or else I'm fucked. You yeah. Know? And you, like when, when she delivers that, it's like, please don't tell me you thought sweatshops are where they make sweatpants. It, it, is, is it like her delivery of that line is so funny because she's like, you can you can see the moment her, her soul dies. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and it's so like, it's such a build up too because the whole movie, no one pays attention to her other than mm. Bernie. Like she talks to, to Braun at one point. He doesn't know her name. 
Uh, yeah. Even though she's been with Birdie for so long, I think the only other person than those two who even has a line with her is uh, is Blanc, and that's him just saying, go talk on the radio to these people. She's so yeah. put upon and so ignored to the point where she's just like, even when they're getting their drink, she has a red solo cup while everyone has fancy, <laughs> yeah. fancy yeah. glasses. Yeah, so she's so put upon and so done with everything that when this yeah. comes out, she's just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Andy ha- was murdered. Uh, it's revealed um, through Benoit's, you know, deductions. Deductions that it was Miles that did it. That Miles was snuck over to her house as he was actually in New York, and that's revealed through um, him having gone to see whiskey and give her a gift for her birthday in New York. So he was in the States, was able to get to Andy's house, goes there, murders her. Um, and then, uh, and then what happens? Sorry. And then <laughs> he almost hits Duke leaving the house, right. which is mm. set up earlier. Cause we're in the pool and he's, yeah. And he's like, you almost hit me with the, the car going back from, and he Duke almost says, come back from and, and then, Braun cuts him off and just says, oh, Anderson Cooper's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. They're notorious. They're not it's, notorious. It's, uh, there, there's, we, we, we could not cover every detail of this movie if we tried. No. Like, I think each of us could watch this movie five times and we'd still be, like, noticing things and bringing things up that no one else noticed. Like, it's it's so dense. Like, and there's so many jokes so quickly, and so many of them come back so many times in, in so many different ways. You kind of have to watch it how, multiple times. It, it's mm-hmm. unfair how well-written this movie is. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking inhuman. Like, <laughs> uh, Is there any other sort of things that we need to point out that, that are nail-on-the-head kind of spoilers, or we kind of covered it all? Because most of the I time, guess... whenever we do spoiler alerts, it's usually because it's shit that we liked in the movie. So uh, Should we uh, talk about the ending? I, I think, think we should. should. Yep. So, I said to these guys after we saw it, and, and uh, essentially it all comes together, but Miles Braun uh, burns the napkin. Yeah, it's a little... Destroy, destroying and destroying the only it. proof that, w- that would, like, exonerate, or not exonerate, but, like... um prove that andy was the one that like my, it was the only thing that would prove miles is a fraud basically because yes. everyone else is willing to lie for him yeah and um essentially uh i was like with the way it was going it's like well we're fucked now and the way things was playing out she's trying to convince uh, the others to back her but like none of them have any fucking spine so i was like fuck is this gonna end really cynically like uh the the inverse of uh the first one but then uh was it uh what is uh Benoit say? He he says he's because he mentioned it earlier on that you know once we're done once I have all this information my my jurisdiction ends I pass this off to the courts and he says basically the same thing to Helen he says like my jurisdiction is over here and he walks out of the room um, and he he said he says like uh, the only thing I can give you is a reminder uh, what as, to, as to yeah as what why your sister walked away in the first place. And then she proceeds to just fucking smash everything in that in that room. All of Miles's like pri- glass statues, prized collections. We didn't even talk about the Mona Lisa thing. We didn't even I, talk about the Mona Lisa. That's, that's such an important yeah. through line throughout the entire movie. So set up earlier, uh, Miles. It is uh in his uh, living room has uh, a Mona Lisa on loan from uh, the French government. 
Because <laughs> France needed a, a lot of money during the pandemic. <laughs> and and, the, and it's it's within this complicated contraption that like even if just like a phone ding goes off, this plastic shield will go and like and like completely encase the Mona Lisa. But uh, Miles installed a failsafe where if he wanted to, he could. There's this little bobblehead, and if he hits the head, the shield will go back up, and the Mona Lisa will be exposed. And so that that like noise of the glass going up adds so much tension to that mm. first scene in that room. I was like, I was very nervous. Yeah, Just continuously go up and up. Yeah. So good. And then uh, basically... Uh, Helen is just destroying everything, and then everybody else in the room gets riled up and also just starts to destroy shit. Uh, and eventually, they all just kind of, or she just kind of takes it all, uh, puts a bunch of stuff in a pile, and lights a fire. Uh, and if, if you've been, I think most people who, who are, are like paying attention at this point and realize, like, oh, that's, I get what she's doing. Because they introduced the, the clean product, which is a hydrogen based uh, energy source. And if anyone knows the story of the Hindenburg, they know why that's a really fucking bad idea. <laughs> Catherine Hahn brings that up earlier in the movie, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, Yeah, to, to really uh, bring home the point of why, like, hydrogen-based energy is a bad idea. And once, the, once there's a fire going, uh, there's a little flashback to Benoit uh, saying that line to Helen about a reminder as to why your sister walked away. They do a little close-up of uh, their hands, and he hands uh, Helen the little crystal, the little bit of clean, the little bit of hydrogen hydrogen energy. And then she pulls that out in front of Miles, turns around, and hucks it into the fire. <laughs> and then that explodes, and it gets sucked up into the vents, and the whole fucking place goes up. Just explodes. I'm shocked that no one died. I know. I thought. I thought. I thought that was. I thought that was Helen, like sacrificing her life to take down Miles. Yeah, but uh, that's not what happens. Uh, it's not how the movie ends. Uh, everybody survives. Call back to the to the no. Please, no smoking. Yeah, <laughs> it goes up. Noah Sagan, great shit. Yeah, yeah, got oh, him and Wong smoking a cigar together. Yeah, and as and as the uh, as the place lights up. The shield on the Mona Lisa goes down and, and encases it in the in the glass, uh, and everybody looks at it. Then Miles and Helen look at each other, and they both book it towards this bobblehead. And there's this really funny like uh, dolly zoom shot, like on the, on the head of the bobblehead, as they rush towards it. And Helen gets there first. She hits it, and it opens up the uh, Mona Lisa, and it burns to a crisp. And Miles is sitting there going, like, "That's great." <laughs> <laughs> and it ends with them sitting on the steps of the glass onion and him uh, uh, miles freaking out basically saying like you didn't fuck a win like what did you, what do you think you gained out of this and she turns and says well now you're finally gonna get your name in the same breath as the mona lisa you which is which is a idiot. goal yeah, which is a goal that uh, Miles has had throughout the entire movie that yeah. they mentioned multiple times. Which just sounds like, like the first time he mentions it, it's kind of like almost charming. Like, uh, it's like, oh, this guy's so ambitious and he has such a, an appreciation for art. But then it just keeps going and you're just kind of getting like, and then it's revealed that he's an idiot. So like over time, it's just, it's like he doesn't actually like understand why the Mona Lisa is important. Yeah. Like he, he just thinks it's important because it's, it's because everybody talks about it. And it's not a place in his house too, because on the second note, the second watch notice, like I noticed, there's a big 
painting of Kanye West at his house. But then there's priceless <laughs> Mona Lisa and that little thing, and he, it's just clear he's just doing that for face value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't notice oh, Kanye. Man. That that I didn't makes, either. Him, makes him even more of a fucking knob. That's so yeah, funny, well, especially. Chris pointed that out to me uh, on Saturday when he saw it again. That's funny. Uh, um, something that I want to just kind of like. It just like it ties it all together, and Ryan Johnson does the same thing in Knives Out, where like it's like the whole movie. Both movies are a very fun romp, just like this like really fun murder mystery, and it's really funny and stuff like that. Um, but then it always culminates in this like genuinely heartwarming relationship that he has with Anna de Arms and then uh, Janelle Monet, where he just. He puts his trust in 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 the most average person, like the one who just like they they have stakes in the matter, but they a person they're just shit so upon, of heart. a shit upon person who always gets screwed, and it kind of just hits this whole thing of like. Sometimes I feel like Ryan Johnson is saying that like uh, those who get screwed over and abused the most are the people who are going to come out on top and hit back the hardest. Yeah true and it's very inspiring but they and then they always like they always do the right thing and it's just it's so heartwarming to watch even if the and right also, thing in both cases is like a very extravagant act of of heroism you know yeah. i mean not so much in 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 no, more, more the, where she dies with a knife one, but... but yeah the, yeah the second mm -hmm. one a lot more well, the first one she's extravagant in the sense that she puked on him oh yeah, yeah it's pretty extravagant yeah. um Lee, what is it that you said today about how benoit blanc is like set apart from other kind of detectives oh. yeah i was talking to john about this because him and i were on shift together earlier today uh which is that uh there's one thing about benoit blanc that i feel like really sets him apart from Think about, like, uh, most famous detectives in media. Sherlock Holmes, Hercule Perrault, like, uh, all that. What? Sorry, Lucas? The geniuses. Yeah, but, like, mm. genius detectives is that. And while Blanc isn't an asshole. Yeah. Like, he's actually just a genuine, like, caring person who just wants to do the right thing. Like, even when he's, uh, how was it? Even when he's, like, kind of flaunting his intelligence or whatnot, turning off, he's never a dickhead or acts like anything is beneath him. And I feel like uh, that's something, he's just a genuine good guy. And I feel like this is another argument for what I've been saying for years, which is not every main protagonist needs to be a complete and utter dickhead. I agree. Yeah. And I think that sentiment with uh, Blanc being like, he, he's not above it all, right? He's he's like, he's like, it's like down there in it. And like, he's, he, he doesn't put himself over everybody. Uh, I think reminds me of something Liam texted us uh, a while, a little, a couple days ago after we saw the movie, where Liam said that's one of the reasons you like Ryan Johnson is because he's never like looking down movies. and the Knives Out movies is he's never looking down on the genres that he's like playing with. He's always he's always like done out of love for what he's doing, and it's never like like a lot of like a lot of superhero movies, for example, are like oh, we get it, the names are stupid. Uh, but but Ryan Johnson never never does that. He like he, he pokes fun at them and he like subverts some of the expectations and he plays with the tropes. But it's always obviously because he loves the genre. He's kind of like an anti Dan Harmon in that sense. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I had to throw one in there. Well, you had to. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, everybody. 
I loved it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's fantastic on so many levels. I'm down for so many more knives out. I, I would love if if uh, Daniel Craig came out tomorrow and said like Keanu Reeves with John Wick, as long as they want to make sequels, I'm good with it. If if he says that about knives out, I will keep paying as much as I need to to go see these movies because it's it's truly just a must see for me now. The first mm-hmm. sentence of my letterbox review for Glass Onion was put Benoit Blanc in every movie and I will watch it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Benoit Blanc in Sophie's Choice or something. <laughs> oh God! This is compelling. Want to choose the boy? <laughs> but yeah, if 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 Brian Johnson and uh, and uh, and Daniel Craig, like you said, like if they de- dedicate the the rest of their careers to just doing Knives Out, I will be a very happy man. <laughs> so, uh, future us, uh, future us's, um, come back to this, um, because if you hate the third Knives Out movie, just remember that you love this, the, the first two. I think. Yeah. <laughs> John, you got any final thoughts? Um. Yeah, I went into this movie uh, purposely not expecting too much, and I think that was helpful in that. Like, I mean, it just really exceeded my expectations. I mean, there's obviously been a lot of talk about comparing it to the first Knives Out. And correct me if I'm wrong, like, I believe this is the first time that Ryan Johnson has done a sequel to his own source material. Yep. Um, yes. So, like, knocked it out of the park. Um, I don't I don't think the movies need to be compared. I think that they're both perfect in their own right. Um, because, as it was mentioned earlier, I think by Lucas, they're, they're such different movies and... Um, yeah this guy really knows what the fuck he's doing so i am very happy i've never seen daniel craig have so much fun no i know he's so good <laughs> like uh i rem- like even um even though like when he's into bond at his best like i still think his benoit blanc knocks that out of a park any day yeah. even if, his, like... his his worst benoit blanc his worst blanc is is better than his best bond <laughs> what a I mean, what I a like, sentence oh god I, mean, I like craig as bond well with the exception of specter where it just felt like he didn't want to be there yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man cool all right everybody this has been our uh oh chris did you have anything else that you wanted to say liam lucas john no all right well this has been our conversation our roundtable conversation mostly just gushing about uh uh, knives out uh sorry glass onion and knives out mystery uh but i i like this i like this kind of format if we ever see a movie all together again we'll pro- you're probably gonna see that something similar again in the future i'm so never like seeing that. a movie with you guys ever again <laughs> oh <laughs> not even knives out three not even no. knives out three fuck you guys no yeah. fuck you i'm out <laughs> <laughs> we I'll watch this on netflix <laughs> i got three thousand youtube subscribers i don't need you no <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can handle the outro. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I was kidding. Please don't make me do the outro. Mr. 3000 over here. Um, that's right, everybody. Uh, so this has been the Thundercast for this week. If you like what you saw, uh, then uh, you can follow us on social media. You can go to uh, Facebook, Instagram, where we are Thunder Lizard Collective. On YouTube, you can go youtube.com slash at Thunder Lizard. It'll bring you right to us. We get We locked ourselves in on those two words instead of adding the third. Look at that. 
Uh, on Twitter, we're ThunderLizardOG. Um, if you like this, go uh, make sure you give us five stars and like us on any of your favorite podcatchers. Be sure to tell a friend, share us on social media, do all that fun stuff. We do have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash thunderlizard, where I would like to thank our patrons. I'd like to thank Kate, Tanya, Manos, Owen, and returning patrons, Scott. So thank you so much for your support. It really means a lot. Um, if you like Lucas down there, we got two things for, and you like Liam, I guess. We got two things for you. One, Liam, ha- uh, sorry, Lucas has a has a, uh, a YouTube channel and TikTok channel, uh, Castle Caster. Um, you can find that link down in our description below. Uh, Lucas mostly talks about uh, Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games on that on that channel. It's, it's really Indeed. good stuff. Be his three thousand and one subscriber. I'm looking at the count right now. It's just 3,067, so that's, uh, the, out, that's out the window. You need two more, <laughs> and then you're done. Yeah, that's true. You could, you could be my 3,069th uh, subscriber, so keep that in mind. That would be amazing. Uh, but <laughs> we have another show called uh, Thunder and Dragons in which Lucas is our Thunder Master, and he guides, us, guides myself, Liam, and our friend Dan through Godhood in an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It is a really great time. But as said, as mentioned, this has been the Thundercast for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. My name is John. I'm Liam. I'm other Christian. <laughs> That's right. We'll Take s- care. We'll see you later.